Well, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to, not that one, to Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. I put little, these little stickies in my Bible just so it saves me time from getting there. So I have to be mindful, take you a while to get there. But sometimes I have old stickies from old messages, so I just turn to the wrong one. But if Hebrews chapter 17, sorry, Hebrews, Luke chapter 17, I'll be okay. Really, I will. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, remember we're on this series of the kingdom of God, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. This is Jesus' words. See, remember the, the time the Pharisees and the um, early Jews believed that when Jesus would come and establish the kingdom, they were expecting a physical takeover from the uh, oppression of the Roman Empire. But why this is important for us today is because I do feel like sometimes we've gone through this series, we kind of like, oh, we're going to wait for some future time or we're going to, it's got to look this way or it's got to be this way. And, and we're going to be talking about a little bit of, of how to live in the kingdom today. Remember, we said it's not a bunch, a bunch of doing, it's a bunch, a bunch of being. And we're going to talk about more of the being today. But I think it's important that, that we have to understand, we talked about Jesus's role into the kingdom. But what I love is Jesus says this, that behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. In other words, Jesus himself, God himself through Jesus Christ is saying that he is the kingdom of God. He is the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to realize he's our entry point, but he is our everything. He is our all in all. You know, in, in uh, kids camp this year, um, which we had talked about before is great to put on a day camp for our kids uh, and the community kids. Um, I, I had the privilege of being one of the uh, um, presenters one day. And I asked a question. I can't remember what it was, but um, it, it wasn't, the answer should not be Jesus. But I, I asked the question and, and a kid goes, Jesus! As if like they've been conditioned to say like anything that you get asked in church, just say Jesus is the right answer, right? Just say Jesus. 99% of the chance you, you'll be the right, you'll, you'll do well, right? Nobody, nobody will tell you, no, that's not the right answer. Like it's Jesus, because we know Jesus is everything. Jesus is an all in all. Jesus is our sufficiency. He's our rock. He's our light. He's our life. He's the word, right? He's, he's everything. And and so it's important to just not look at, okay, here's the kingdom of God, and we're just looking for these attributes, and he wants us to live a certain way, but we, he really wants us to have a relationship with him. And, and I think that's why when, when he, Jesus goes on talking about uh, another scripture here, where they're, they're kind of like debating who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And in Matthew chapter 18... Starting in verse 1, it says, At this time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God? And remember we said the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God is not some future place. It's to be lived here and now. Now we do see in part, we do live in part. At some point we'll see face to face and we will live completely in that kingdom. But in the for the now we get to function partially in that. 
partially in that. I'd like to say it's more fully, but we still are encased in a physical world. And so I think that does make us uh, have some limitations to fully understand what this kingdom is. But this is what he says when they said, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, Jesus' words, which remember is God. Truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So so what is it about being a child? What is it that Jesus was looking at in that child's life? That he had to take the disciples who were probably thinking position, who were probably thinking um, accomplishments, who were trying to think of... Um, all their deeds, who are trying to think of all of these other things, but he calls a child and he says, unless you become like this, a child. Now again, remember, that's why we're saying the kingdom of heaven is not saying, hey, this is, this is your, your pass into heaven. He's saying that we can, unless we become like a child, we can't experience the kingdom of heaven here and now. So what is it that our, we, we talk about childlike faith, we talk about, but, but what is it about a child? I think there's something about children that they're, um, they're kind of pure, right? They haven't been tainted, they haven't been jaded. They have, um, they have a lot of trust. They, um, they have a lot of belief. They have imagination for the impossible. How many times when you were a kid, do you remember like some of the things that you thought of? For you girls, your princesses and castles, for us boys. I remember for me, I thought like, oh, if I could just make some wings and I'll fly, right? And I'm thinking about cardboard and we raise chickens and if I put enough feathers on these cardboard things, can I jump off my house, right? <laughs> no, I didn't try it. Okay, then it was the cape. If I could just put a cape on, then I can do these things, right? But there's something about a child that begins to... to have the imagination of, of this relationship. I think the other thing too, children and their parents, they have this relationship in, in good families anyways. That there's just like, they don't have to worry about a whole lot of things. They're not worried about tomorrow. They're not worried about where the next meal comes. They're realizing who their provider is, moms and dads. I don't have all the right answers about what that is, but, I, but begin to begin to say, Holy Spirit, what is that you're saying to me? What does that mean that I've got to come to you like a child to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And we'll begin to unpack that a little bit. I, Jesus has this, this sermon, it's called Sermon on the Mount, and it's called the Beatitudes. I, I like this because it's like, Again, remember this is Jesus who is, is, I had kind of this revelation. I mean, I know the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and I know Jesus is God, but I think sometimes we forget that the, the God of all the universe is manifest through Jesus. Like, so this is like, these are heaven's words. So when Jesus speaks, these are heaven's words to us, to really telling us the Beatitudes, these are the, this is how you be in the kingdom of God. This is how you're, the attitudes that you should have. This is how you're to live. And when he begins to unpack that for us, and I want you to turn to the Beatitudes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, that's in uh, Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five.
Now, I'm going to go through these Beatitudes one by one, and and I want you to begin to, again, ask the question, Holy Spirit, remember the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is here with us, and he's going to speak to you as I'm sharing these. And I want you to make special note of of something that jumps out at you, something that captivates you, a thought that you have, and I want you to write it down, I want you to meditate on it throughout this week and think about it. So here's Jesus um, in Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, the disciples came to him. It's interesting that Jesus uh, taught sitting down. Like, I'm standing up, you're sitting down. Back then, that culture was the teacher would sit down. I think we should try that. I'd like to sit down. You stand up for the whole time, right? (laughs) How'd you like that? (laughs) I won't do that to you today. It's okay. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, here and now. So he's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. So every single one starts with blessed. And, And the translation really means happy are. And it's not like happiness that we would say today, but I would say um, it would be the culmination of contentment, joy, uh, that deep breath in the fall air where you smell in all the smells and he was like, all is well with my soul. Does anybody know the pumpkin spice is out again? (laughs) I know, it makes some of you happy. So imagine that, like... Pumpkin spice on the fall day, apple picking, like all is well with your soul. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So what does that mean? And I, and I think these, again, be attitudes. These are the things that he's saying for you to walk in the kingdom of God. These are some things that you're going to have the privilege of walking in. And I think as we're learning to walk in the kingdom of God, these are really important for us to not only understand, but begin to say, okay, well, how do I be? in these attitudes. Blessed are the poor spirits. This poor, and think about this. Jesus is teaching it like a ladder. This is the bottom rung of the ladder. And as he progresses, it's another step of the ladder. So he's not going to start with something you can't achieve or can't reach. He's starting with the first rung of saying, okay, climb this one first. Blessed are the poor spirit. The poor in spirit is realizing that um, you are, you're bankrupt in your spirit. Without Jesus, your spirit is bankrupt. And why he says you're blessed if your spirit is bankrupt, if you're poor in spirit, because you realize that you are not sufficient for your own salvation, that you are not sufficient for your own joy and contentment. The the work that you have inside of yourself is not enough. You say, well, why is that good news? Because it's good news because... Uh, you're not self, you should not be self-sufficient. You're not meant to be self-sufficient. A child, when he is five years old, is not self-sufficient. He grows into self-sufficiency. And in our society, we say that's a good thing. But in the kingdom of God, he's saying, no, as a child, you need to be dependent or you can be dependent. He invites us to be dependent. But we have to realize that if we're poor in spirit, we're bankrupt, that we need Jesus in our life. And this goes to the, um, the next one. We need Jesus in our life to say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we want you to come into our life. We're poor without you. Our spirit is poor. Only you can make us rich. Remember, Jesus is the right answer. <laughs> Jesus is the right answer. We start with Jesus. 
That's why he says that the kingdom of God um, is among you. In many times, Jesus' teaching, when he's talking about the kingdom of God, he says the kingdom of God is near, or the kingdom of God is, um, or the heaven, uh, kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of God is near. Right? He's always talking about that he's, he's the entry point. He is the, he is the sufficiency. He's the place that we have to start. He's the first rung in our journey to understand what it is to live in the kingdom of God. Poor in spirit. That's a good thing. Because he makes us, Jesus makes us rich in spirit. Then it goes on, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, I used to think this was like, okay, it's good when we go through difficult times and we lose a loved one, we're mourning, and we'll be comforted. We know the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. But I, I believe if you look at this as a rung of a ladder, I think he's a progression. What he's talking about, what are we mourning? The question is, what are we mourning? I believe he's talking about blessed are those who, who understand the sin that you have in your life and you mourn over that. You begin to realize the depravity you have when you've become self-sufficient without Jesus and you live selfishly and you live for yourself and you live um, feeding your, your fleshly pleasures. And I think he says, blessed are those who mourn. You begin to, to grieve the, your own sin in your own life. And you realize that as you do, and you turn this to Jesus, turn these things over to Jesus, he will comfort you because you no longer are carrying the burden and the baggage of your sin. Isn't that beautiful? But, but this mourning is really important because I think until we come to, to a realization face and face of the sin in our life, we don't have the ability to repent. And so much of the time that Jesus says, um, he calls us to repentance. And we don't talk about repentance, but repentance is an acknowledgement of your shortcoming, an acknowledgement of your being poor in spirit. And then you begin to mourn over the, the things that you've done in your life that have hurt yourself and hurt others because that's what our flesh does. Our selfishness does. But we need to come to a place of being really grieved. We need to really be sad over those things. And then as we turn them over, as we repent of them and we lay them down and we ask for forgiveness and we make things right, there's comfort in that. Then we go into verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Meekness really has the, uh, this expression or this concept of really strength under control. That, that you can have this humility, but you can be angry and sin not, but you can, um, you're humble, you're gentle. And the interesting thing, now he's talking about a quality of, of the things that, so where the world pursues you, selfishness says, I'm gonna conquer, I'm gonna accomplish, I'm gonna control, I'm going to amass, you know, the worldly way. We realize that we're poor in spirit. We need to mourn over sin. But then the, the interesting thing is he says you still will inherit the earth, but the who will inherit the earth? In other words, it's like it is well with my soul, with humility. There's something powerful about that, that we can actually see the world that we're living in and it becomes a blessing to us as opposed to a curse for us. We'll inherit the earth. 
See, many times when we, when we live on our own selfishness and we live on our own self-independence, uh, we chase, 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 and we're exhausted, and then we, then we try to fill all those voids of being exhausted, and then there's depression, anxiety, and then there's, there's all the things that we need to mask all those things just to get through life, and then we realize life is being taken away from us. The world no longer is a joy. The wor- world is a curse. But when we realize that we're poor in spirit, then we mourn over our sin and that we become humble before the Lord. We realize that their joy gets restored to us and the things of this earth, the fall air and the colorful leaves, we see those things, the flowers that we smell, we see those things and we get to be present in the earth that God has given us and it no longer is a curse, it is a blessing. Audra and I were working in the vegetable garden uh, yesterday uh, together and I was just like, I felt that. I felt that like the soil in my hands, seeing my wife cutting flowers from the garden, it was like, is well with my soul. Like I felt like I was inheriting the earth at that moment. But it took a place of meekness for me to have my heart and soul tenderized over years to for me to really appreciate that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so here's the opposite. We, our world tells us to hunger and thirst after fame and after money and after popularity and after notoriety and after accomplishment and after status. And, and that just actually begins to create dissatisfaction in us. But when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And by the way, who's righteousness, right? The, always the right answer is Jesus, right? I'm, I, I preloaded you guys with the right answers today, <laughs> Jesus. Because we're not righteous on our own, it's only Jesus's righteousness that makes us right. And it's not about the do's and don'ts, it's about the relationship that we have with Jesus. And so, Here he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So hunger and thirst. Here in the uh, U.S., we probably haven't experienced great hunger, maybe thirst after you've gone on a long run or maybe you exercised that thirst or super hot day. But there's this thing about longing for food and thirsty. He's basically giving you an analogy of this, this urgency and this tenacity and this this absolutely drive for it. This, like, I just have to have this. Are you in this place in life where you just say, I just have to have Jesus in my life. I just have to have his righteousness in my life. I just need to pursue Jesus all the days of my life. I just need to be in a relationship with Jesus today. I just need to, Jesus, let's spend some time talking to you today. Jesus, I want to be in your word today. You hunger and thirst for him. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, remember, this is a lot, the latter, right? The first rung is poor in spirit. You realize that I'm, I'm bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt without Jesus. Then you, then you realize that we, when we receive Jesus, we also then, part of that process, we mourn over our sin. We grieve over our sinful ways. 
And then we, we learn that we need to come humble, humbly underneath Jesus, that he's our Lord and our King, and that, that we take the posture of a servant. We pick up our cross, deny ourselves, we follow him. And then we hunger and thirst for this relationship with Jesus. And then, and then we realize that we've been changed. We're, we're now merciful. We don't go around judging other people. We don't go around pointing fingers at other people because we realize how poor in spirit we were. We've grieved over our own sin. We realize that, that we, are, we were pretty abased without Jesus. And, and then we come to this place and we can show mercy because we've been shown mercy. You know, this is, this is the kingdom way. This is the, the, the law of reciprocity. It's like, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. This is like you, you give and you can't outgive God and God just pours back into you. I heard a great testimony today that somebody said um, that, that they, they believe in tithing. They, they believe that God, you know, was faithful in it. But we had this in team meeting. Somebody shared in our team meeting before service. And then they said, well, they were challenged by Victoria's message of pre-tax, post-tax. And she goes, I decided that I wanted to give Jesus my first, not after Uncle Sam. And, and so, and then she goes, I did. And then I was like, God just so radically blessed our family with finances. And, and it's like, yeah, that's the law of reciprocity, which is you don't give to get, but boy, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, in the kingdom of God, these principles, like if you show mercy, you get mercy. I think that's why the scripture says, if you're not able to forgive others, the Lord's not able to forgive you. First of all, that's pretty powerful. Listen to that. But it's the, it's the kingdom law that, that as we're able to offer something of, of God to other people, it gets added to us. But I think it makes us very merciful when we realize that, that who we have been saved a wretch like me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I think this is where, where the faith like a child or the come to, to Jesus like a child. To, to We can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless we become like a child. I, I think this is one of these qualities that says that, that there's something about pure in heart. Now, if we're very honest and we look at our hearts, we know that where our shortcomings still are. We understand that, at least as I've been following Jesus for a long time, my heart's like an onion. It's just like more things get peeled off. Just when I feel like my heart's in a good spot, the Lord says, tap, we're going to peel another layer off the onion. It's like, oh, no, that's in my heart. Oh, my. <laughs> but remember, it's his righteousness. But his righteousness, as we continue to, to, to be humble and meek, as we continue to not live this judgmental way that we show people mercy and, and as we allow our hearts to come bare before the Lord and he does heart surgery on us. Remember the kingdom of God, we've talked about this before. It's like a mustard seed. Where does that seed um, initiate? It's from our heart. And he begins to start saying this pure heart race. He says, I'm hungering and thirsting after you, God, but as my heart comes before you, I allow your holiness and I allow your righteousness to pierce through the darkest parts of my heart and shed light on it. And I, and I guarantee you it's uncomfortable. I know that. But it will produce beautiful fruit in your life. 
Would you be willing to say, I want to be like a child. I want to be pure hearted. I want my heart to, to have all the calluses, all of the scars and the, the darkness of it to come before the Lord and allow healing to take place. Maybe not, the scars are actually evidence of healing. So maybe our, our hearts will still have scarring, but, but it's just evidence of healing. Would we allow our hearts to come before the Lord and, and that we're pursuing him with purity? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. I've added daughters, by the way. I'm, I, I do believe, it says sons there, but I do believe he's all-inclusive. Blessed are those who are the peacemakers. Now, the interesting thing about peacemakers is like, um, are they the ones who keep the peace? Are they the ones who always stand in the middle of the fight and say, come on, guys, separate now, come on. I'm blessed because I am a peacekeeper. I actually, if you start looking at the rung of it, is as you begin to understand your depravity of your spirit, as you mourn over your sin, as you come to this place of humility under the lordship of Jesus Christ, you're on the next rung, as you begin to uh, pursue and hunger and thirst for righteousness and pursue Jesus that as you stop judging each other, you're merciful, right? Because you've been shown mercy and, and your heart is, is in a pure place that you're not pursuing relationships out of, out of bad motivations. The peacemaker is the one who can actually introduce somebody to Jesus and create peace between God and man. What a gift it is. Blessed are those who become the peacemaker. And the only way that man can find peace in their heart and soul is only through Jesus Christ. Uh, and their relationship with God is only found through Jesus Christ. And you are a peacemaker. You know when you came to Jesus, the peace that you felt. The peace that passes understanding. And so part of our thing, remember, getting ready to meet Jesus face to face, we reach the lost, care for the least, train the found. Part of our journey is once we've been found and, and we've had our hearts healed, that we need to be reaching out to other people who don't know Jesus and say, can I introduce you to a father that loves you, that wants to then go through this ladder again, acknowledge that our, the depravity of our soul, the, the, the poor in spirit that we are. And by the way, can I introduce you to this Jesus? who wants to take away the guilt and shame that you face. This hole that you can never fill. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here is the reality. When, when you pursue Jesus and you actually, with a pure heart, you are genuinely representing Jesus and you're not ashamed to talk about him. And, and I'm not talking about being a crazy person. <laughs> You'll be persecuted for being a crazy person. But what's crazy? I'm just saying that when, when you represent Jesus well in the fullness of the gospel, in the integrity of the gospel, not being um, shy, but being bold in your faith, appropriately bold as the Holy Spirit leads, there will be people who will not appreciate that and they'll persecute you. The persecution will come by you even standing for righteousness. 
they'll be like, hey, you're being judgmental. And it's like, no, I, I'm actually just standing for righteousness. I love that person. Because, and I'm showing them mercy, right? Because I've been shown mercy. You're not being judgmental. You're just standing for righteousness. And, and persecution will come. And, and, and by the way, so if you've never been persecuted, you have to say, okay, where am I in this, in this rung of, of this sermon that Jesus is preaching? Have I given my heart fully over to him? Have I surrendered in full meekness? Am I sharing? Am I being a peacemaker by sharing Jesus with others? Have I allowed Jesus to come my heart that, that I start looking different than the world, that I'm pursuing righteousness, that I'm pursuing his righteousness, that I'm, that I'm trying to live according to his word? And if anybody hasn't made mention of how you're living differently or even made fun of that, my question is, where are you on that rung of that ladder? ladder? And, and maybe you are just starting your journey, and that's fine. That you're just acknowledging that you're poor in spirit, that you need Jesus. That's okay. But there is a progression in your, in your journey with Jesus. And at some point in time, you should be at the place where you're sharing your faith with others. Not in a crazy and weird way, but in a very genuine, authentic way of just saying, you know, this is how my life has been changed by Jesus. And I'm not going to participate in, in these worldly things that I just know bring hurt and pain to people's lives. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to call wrong right and right wrong. I'm going to call what Jesus says is right. And you, you will face, when you say persecution, it's not like you're going to jail for it, but you're going to feel that awkwardness. You're going to feel that tension. But he says, blessed are you who are persecuted. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You will be walking in the kingdom of heaven when you face that. Lastly, blessed are, ooh, I got to finish up. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, if we were to follow Jesus and walk with Jesus, Jesus was falsely accused. He wasn't wasn't weird. He wasn't, you know, do crazy Facebook posts. Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> but Jesus represented his father's kingdom. He went into dark places and brought light. He allowed people's brokenness to be healed. He didn't allow religious ceremonies to get in the way of the kingdom of God's work that needed to be done to bring people into wholeness and bring them into the light and let them experience love and let them experience this peace that God has. See, remember, we have, we have an enemy who wants to kill, steal, destroy. He wants to discourage. The enemy wants to discourage you. He wants you to stay silent because you know what? The power is in sharing the gospel. The power is in sharing the truth of who Jesus is. People are set free. They come out of the clutches of the enemy's darkness. See, the enemy is trying to take as many people to hell with him as he can, but our job is to, to see them come into the light and to see them come to Jesus and see them set free. And so you will face persecution. You will have people utter all kinds of evil against you. Falsehoods. And I'm just telling you, be prepared. So grow in strength, grow in courage, grow in this understanding that as we walk in the kingdom, it's not going to be all skipping through the bed of roses. <laughs> but you will be blessed.
you will find the greatest satisfaction to your soul. You will have this, oh, the fall air, pumpkin spice feeling like no other. It's called the kingdom of God. And you'll be walking in it. And Jesus will be smiling. He'll be walking with you by his Holy Spirit. And the Father will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've done what he has asked. You've climbed the ladder of these beatitudes. You're living in the kingdom of God. And here's the blessing of it. He says, happy are those. Blessed are those who do these things. There's a blessing for you, church. Walk in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for our kids who really model to us what does it mean to be, to have an attitude that's necessary to experience the kingdom of God, full of trust, full of faith, full of belief, not carrying the cares of this world, not carrying the burdens that this world wants to put on us, not being so tarnished and and feeling damaged by the world through the world's hurts, but coming into a place of healing and wholeness and humility and meekness, chasing after you in all righteousness, Jesus, and allowing you to tap into our heart to make it pure once again sharing you, Jesus, with others. And and in that, every single time we make that step, we climb that rung of that ladder, we realize that we're blessed. There's a deep joy that gets to be experienced when we're doing these things. And your kingdom of God grows and expands through your church and your people. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.